It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Beautiful day out there today. Felt like summer. Got a nice workout in, but, you know, now we got to get down to business and talk about everything that's going on here. And last night, you know, we did the show, and we were watching the Yanks, watching – well, we were watching the Mets. Mets played in the afternoon, stinking up the joint down in D.C. We were watching the Yankees, and, you know, they had the home run swing in effect last night up in Toronto, and they're doing their thing, and, you know, starting to maybe resemble a team that we kind of thought we were going to see way back at the beginning of the season. And then Aaron Judge hit the second home run last night in the eighth inning. And, and, and God's honest truth, like, we had no idea that there was any sort of controversy attached to it because I guess unless you were watching the Blue Jays feed, you had no idea. And, of course, us being here in New York, we're watching the Yes Network, right? That's what the game is. They didn't have any sort of clips or anything of Judge going side eyes and, 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 and looking off center before the pitch comes in and, um, you know, maybe look like he was up to no good. That didn't come out until later on, and I didn't hear about it until – at least over an hour after the show ended last night, you know, when it really started to gain some steam on social media because of what would be was being shown by our friends up there in Sportsnet with Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez, and those guys do a fantastic job. And, look, the job of the announcer, and I know a lot of people are, like, attacking those guys, the job of somebody in television, remember, it's a visual medium. So if that's what they're showing on camera, and they're showing an instant replay, of Judge and the eyes going off center, they have to respond to what is being shown on the camera. It's not that they were necessarily insinuating or implying anything, but given what has gone on over the last handful of years in baseball, when somebody is maybe doing something that is not going along with the routine that we're used to seeing from them, it's going to spark a lot of questions as to what the heck is going on. And then maybe just to field it a little bit more, you had Judge hit the ball to Nova Scotia. And I don't even know if it's landed yet, as a matter of fact. So how do we digest this? What do you make of it? Of course, this is going to be big news because, number one, it's Aaron Judge. Okay, he's one of the faces of baseball, if not the face of baseball. Reigning MVP, big free agent contract in the offseason. And, oh, by the way, he's starting to hit the ball pretty well, too, over the last few days. You know, two multi-home run games in the previous three games, I would say that he's finally starting to find his swing again. It's like he gave everybody else a head start in the home run race this year, and now he's like, all right, I gave you guys April, now I'm coming. But nevertheless, first and foremost, do I think Judge was cheating? No, of course not. No way, no how. It's funny, I did see some things, though, from Astros fans today because they wanted to throw all the same stuff that people were leveling at the Astros and Jose Altuve and all those guys. They were saying the same things about <laughs> Aaron Judge last night. But, look, I mean, that's just the way the world works. It's comical, it's funny, but do I believe it for a second? Of course I don't. What the Yankees were doing, okay, and if you want to get on Judge for one thing, when they kind of had him dead to rights in the clubhouse after the game last night, asking him about it, that's where it was kind of funny, and look, let's hope Judge has a nice long baseball career because his acting chops are not where they need to be if he wants to be the, the name and lights on, on the marquee, if you know what I'm saying. You know, the excuse that he gave about, you know, Boone getting tossed and the guys in the, in, in the dugout making a lot of noise, and he was trying to calm them all down, almost like a parent who was trying to get their rowdy kid under control by giving them the side eye as to, hey, you know, behave or else. It's a nice excuse, but we know that wasn't the case. Look, here's what happened. Whether it was Toronto tipping pitches, whether it was the catcher for the Blue Jays, who I think it was Alejandro Kirk last night, if I'm not mistaken, setting up a little too wide, and the signs were being visible, and maybe the Yankees, which is nothing more than scouting, picked up on something, and they were trying to relay that type of information or give a little bit of an indicator. You know what? That's legal. You can do that. And now we're sitting there examining where the Yankees' base coaches, the first base coach, their base coach, are positioned and whether or not they're in the box or not. And, I mean, I'm seeing this stuff earlier today, these overhead shots of the base paths and where the Yankee coaches are. Like, I'm looking at the Zabruder film, for crying out loud. Relax. 
right? I mean, we're going to sit there and we're going we're gonna to hammer these coaches for not being in the, ba- in, in the boxes where they're supposed to be. But meantime, you got guys when you're watching a baseball game, the on-deck circle. You ever see some of these guys who wander so far astray from the on-deck circle that they literally are in the frame of the pitcher and the batter that you're seeing from center field? Like, that's how far over they are from the on-deck circle. But that's okay. It's comical. And as long as you're not using any sort of electronic devices or anything uh, uh, in that nature, it's fine. It's legal. It's what baseball has been about for over a century. There is nothing wrong with that type of strategy. And guess what? If the Blue Jays were being um, sabotaged, if you will, because of something like that, guess who they have to blame? Themselves and nobody else. All right, these t- and it's not like these two teams, by the way, are playing for the first time in three years. Yankees and Blue Jays have already played this year. They're division opponents. They see each other a lot. They see each other frequently. So what do you think advanced scouting is? So when you get into a series against an opponent, you know exactly what to expect from them, right? That's why teams have these things called advanced scouts. They don't just look at pitchers and hitters. They look at every little nuance, it's no different than in, like that in football when you're breaking down film study. I mean, you know, I remember Belichick telling a story like years ago, you know, with those Patriot teams. Maybe that's not the best example to use given the Patriots track record. But, I mean, this is all legal. They noticed on film that the opposing left tackle, you know, he had his hand or his foot positioned one way if it was going to be a pass play and it was positioned another way if it was going to be a run. So they knew exactly what the play was going to be based upon how this one tackle was setting up. It's called scouting. There is nothing wrong with that. And shame on the Blue Jays for not changing up their signs or maybe not being a little bit tighter and keeping that stuff close to the vest. And good job by the Yankees. And if they, and Toronto, you know, Brian Schneider, not for nothing. Brian Schneider, who he's got a talented team. He's got a team that's expected to win. But they're not exactly setting the world on fire yet. All right? Toronto is championship or bust expectations this year. They already blew out Charlie Montoya last year because that team underachieved. This is an extremely talented group. And if I'm Toronto, what I need to worry about instead of the Yankees cheating, first and foremost, is number one, how about your starting pitcher last night? And Mr. Manoa, who I think the world of, by the way, okay, was a fan of his from the minute he stepped on the mound at Yankee Stadium in 2021 in his big league debut. Dude's a bulldog, okay, brings that demeanor, that toughness that you want to have in your starting pitchers. Guy was a Cy Young finalist last year. He's been garbage this year. And the Yankees hit him around again last night. That's what Toronto needs to get figured out more than anything else because you're not going to be winning much if you don't get that guy doing what he's supposed to do. And furthermore, the one who served up that 500-foot home run to Aaron Judge last night, Jay Jackson, guy's a middling reliever in Major League Baseball, who, by the way, I don't know if this was mentioned by anybody today. Um, Did you notice that the Blue Jays sent him down to the minor leagues today? Okay, that's what happens when you give up home runs that haven't landed yet. And if the Blue Jays really deep down thought that Jay Jackson was sabotaged and betrayed because the Yankees were cheating and stealing signs, um, me thinks that he'd probably still be on the roster right now. But no, he threw Aaron Judge six straight sliders. And what do you expect? If you're an accomplished hitter like Judge, you're going to do that to a guy who probably is a fringe major leaguer to begin with. That's what Toronto needs to figure out more than anything else as opposed to what the Yankees are doing or not doing. I mean, it it really is just comical to me. And I guess, even though I wouldn't expect anything, but you never know. These are two teams that obviously don't like each other. They're division rivals. I wonder if there's going to be any sort of retribution tonight in this game. I wouldn't think so, but you never know. You know, Kevin Gossman's pitching tonight for the Jays. Um, if you look at his numbers, overall body of work this year, you know, his ERA is like close to three and a half. That's because he had two bad starts. Like basically all the runs he gave up this year were in two games. And then all the other games, he was lights out. Nobody could touch him. So Gossman has the ability to go out there and shut this lineup down. We'll see if the Yanks are able to put a dent into him. Domingo Herman going for the New York Yankees. But I'm curious, you know, I know they talked about it a lot this afternoon, as you would expect. Curious as to your take on this, because look, we're living in a cheating culture right now, at least when it comes to Major League Baseball, thanks to the Houston Astros and others. And if anybody is even somewhat, somewhat 
implicated on doing anything maybe off the beaten path, it's got to be illegal, right? That's what they make you want to believe. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Got a lot of stuff to squeeze in over the 90 minutes tonight. We'll get into the Mets as they begin a... I guess they're all important series when the wheels are spinning off like they are for the Mets. And they get difference with the Mets is you get a step up in competition tonight with the Tampa Bay Rays coming in, only the best team in Major League Baseball. Another coach was let go today. That was Doc Rivers in Philadelphia. What does that mean potentially for the Knicks? We'll get into that a little bit later on. And have the NBA lottery tonight coming up at 8 o'clock, which normally is one of the highlight dates on the offseason calendar for the New York Knickerbockers. It kind of sort of is tonight, but not to the extent that we usually expect it, to where you hope to strike gold and win the lottery. Tonight, you're just hoping that you get to keep your draft choice, and it pertains to the Dallas Mavericks. We'll get into all those things, taking it right up until 8.30 and game one of the Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. Dan Gross' show here on this Tuesday. We're coming right back on 98.7 ESPN. And he pummeled it. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. I don't think he did anything wrong. They just say, you know, it's a game of baseball, right? Picked up something that we could use to our advantage. Might as well see if it could work. Dan Grosser Show here on a Tuesday night, 98.7 ESPN. Taking it right up until late 30. Game one of the Western Conference Finals between the Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers. And, and good that Major League Baseball. Comes out today and basically says, no, there's no investigation needed. We don't have to conduct any sort of inquiry because we don't feel that anything went on. Commissioner Rob Manfred. Yep, that's it. No Rob Manfred. No Rob Manfred needed in this case. And that's the way it should be here. You know, Yankees picked up on something that they could benefit from. They did. And you move on. And you know what this does, though? I do think if you're looking for some sort of a competitive advantage, it kind of also, I think, gets the Yankees and the Blue Jays' heads a little bit. Because Toronto, you know what? For the strides that they've made over the last couple of years and the talent that they've infused this organization with, and they're a good team. Like I said, I mean, they're 2-3-4s as good as anybody's in Major League Baseball. I, I, I probably would take theirs over anybody. With Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr., you know, those guys. It, it, tremendous. But Yankees are still the Yankees. And the Yankees have been a factor for the better part of the last three decades. Toronto hasn't. Toronto's had their spells, you know, and now they're finally getting this thing back to where they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. But Yankees are always going to be in the way. Yankees aren't going anywhere in this American League East. And an episode like that, it just kind of sticks out a little bit more when you're talking about a team that you're going to have to look to overcome if you want to get to where you want to get to. Mets, on the other hand, you know, look, we ripped into them pretty good yesterday, and rightfully so, after their uninspiring performance against the Washington Nationals. Not even just the Washington Nationals, but 
the other teams that were on the schedule before they even touched down in Washington. Not exactly world beaters in Major League Baseball. When you're talking about the Tigers and the Colorados and Cincinnati's, and they're losing series to these teams. And this is the time when you're supposed to be fattening up against some of that competition, right? This is where you're supposed to, you know, build up a little bit of equity as you get ready to head into those summer months in a long, grinding baseball season. Not spinning around against these clubs that, you know, you should be handling. And if you can't beat these teams, when are you going to finally be able to put it together? And now you got Tampa Bay coming in here tonight, and, okay, Verlander making his first start at City Field. He got through the top of the first inning unscathed. That's great, but let's see if the rest of the team could put it together. Because as I said yesterday, quarter mark of the season right now, what does this team actually do well? When you're talking about the Mets, like, what, what are they good at? Do you trust the starting pitching? No. Do you trust the offense? No. Do you trust the bullpen? No. We How suck. about the base running? No. How about the defense? No. You know what I'm saying? So, like, what do you feel good about? They have nice uniforms? Highest payroll in the game? You like the food when you go to City Field? Like, what is there to get excited about when talking about the New York Mets? Well, I think the only thing that you can get excited about is the fact that it's only May 16th. And we're still at least a few weeks away from really pushing that panic button ultimately to where you're going to either say this team is going to sink or swim in 2023. That they're going to achieve the things that this club accomplished last year and maybe even take it a step further. Or they're going to go down as one of the biggest disappointments, not just that we've seen in our city as far as New York baseball is concerned, but just in baseball in general. You know, the old worst team money could buy. I mean, the sequel is writing itself with this Mets team barring a turnaround. Memorial Day is kind of that first important mile marker where you kind of look to see what you have and you think, is this thing going to fire it all for us this season? And then right around that June 1st, same time, that's kind of like, all right, third of the way through the season, this is what we are. Last year, and this is the example I think if you're a Met fan, ironically enough, that you're going to have to kind of take some stock in. You look at what the Atlanta Braves did last year. You know, first two months of the season, Atlanta was kind of milling about, much like the Mets were. And then they went on a West Coast trip. It was the beginning of June. They were in Arizona. The manager gave like a rah-rah speech to his team. And from that minute on, the Braves just caught fire, and they look like a team that's won the National League East for four consecutive seasons. And they tracked down the Mets. Mets didn't choke that division away last year. I still don't believe they choked the division away. The Braves took it from them. You know, the Braves came from behind to get to 101 wins and steal the National League East from the Mets. And they did it essentially over the last four months of the season. Can the Mets do the same thing? Absolutely they can. But you have to start to see some glimpses that maybe this will indeed go the way you want it to. You know, that there's some encouraging signs. You know, Carlos Carrasco starting a game on Friday, which is the way things are looking right now, that's not exactly the encouraging sign that Met fans are looking for. Because if you're expecting Carlos Carrasco to come in and save your season, well, guess what? I got news for you. It ain't going to happen. Okay, it's not going to happen. It's got to be other things. Guys in this lineup right now that are underperforming. You know, Brandon Nimmo needs some help. You know, Pete Alonso hits a lot of home runs, but he's batting 230. Jeff McNeil was a batting champion last year. Where is that guy? Lindor's batting 228. I mean, he's only making enough money. You know, can, what, what does he want, a couple of extra bucks in his paycheck at the end of the week to maybe where he's going to start to hit to justify it? Starling Marte was an all-star last year. Starling Marte was almost considered the guy that made the Mets lineup go. They were effective when he was in there, and when he was on the injured list, it seemed like that offense sputtered a little bit, like what we saw late in the season. Marte has not been good. Even though the last couple of games, he's been a little bit better. Okay, the guys that are in this clubhouse making all that money, they're the ones that are supposed to kind of carry the torch. And these old pitchers, if you could keep them out of the retirement home and you could keep them off the injured list, maybe just maybe they'll flash some form that's a little bit of a resemblance to the back of the baseball card. That would be nice, right? You're paying them enough money. And yes, of course, it starts with a Max Scherzer because you're entrusting so much into this guy. And the same thing goes to Justin Verlander. 
you know, and Verlander, maybe it's not quite fair yet because this is only his third start, you know, where he missed like the first month of the season. But these are the guys that got to get it done for you. You know, the starting, the Mets are getting nothing from their starting rotation. Absolutely nothing. And so what's happening because of that? It's putting more of a strain on their bullpen. A bullpen, which is really, really, really sketchy. Most guys in that Met bullpen, you couldn't even pick them out of a lineup. If they knocked on your front door, you wouldn't even know who the hell they were. And that's not a good sign. You know, the guys at the back end of the bullpen, whether it's Adovino, whether it's Dave Robertson, those guys have done a nice job for the most part. But because the guys on the bridge just trying to get the ball to the late innings, they've been overworked. And those are guys that you don't want to overwork because they really don't have a track record of being successful in Major League Baseball. You know, I know, like, you know, the Diaz absence this year has kind of been minimized to a certain degree, right? Because Dave Robertson has done a really, really good job closing out games. Like, statistically, I saw this the other day, David Robertson's numbers are actually better over the first, you know, whatever, six weeks of the season than Edwin Diaz's were at this point last year. And Diaz was the best reliever in baseball last season. Now, Robertson's still got a long way to go to prove that he can hold up, you know, over a long season. But imagine if Diaz was here then those other two guys would not be pitching as late eighth, ninth inning, let's say. Maybe you get one of them in the seventh inning, sixth inning perhaps, and maybe that bullpen is a little bit sturdier. That's why the Diaz absence still is significant, even though by and large Mets have done a nice job kind of slamming the door shut whenever the hell they've gotten leads late into games. Hey, look, I don't want to dump on the guy, but it had to be done. Mets sent David Peterson back down to AAA today. I mean, how many more times can you watch David Peterson step out there on the mound? And especially after yesterday. I mean, I think the guy had like six straight starts of allowing at least four runs. I mean, that's not big league caliber. I could go out there and do that at a fraction of the cost probably. You're basically, you send guys like David Peterson out onto the mound once every five days, you're essentially punting the game. And the Mets couldn't do that any longer. And with Carrasco coming back later in the week, you get him in and you get Peterson out, even though Carrasco is no short thing, let's be honest. But he does have a little bit more of a track record in his big league career than David Peterson does. That's a first-round pick that doesn't look like it's necessarily going to pan out. Uh, And I thought he was good. Remember, when Peterson debuted in the COVID year in 20, and look, it was a short season. He didn't have any fans in the stands except those cardboard cutouts. I, I thought he was pretty good. And I thought that this was somebody that you could maybe grow with and, you know, be someone that you could develop into a rotation mainstay for you. It just didn't work out. It didn't work out. And, you know, now he's going to have to be an emergency option in case one of these other guys goes down at some point later on in the season here. 800-919-3776. That is our telephone number. We come back. Did a lot of Knicks last night, rightfully so, you know, putting a bow on the season, what to expect in the offseason. We'll continue that conversation, but more importantly, something happened earlier today which may or may not fuel right into what the Knicks can maybe pull off this summer. We'll tell you what we're talking about. Dan Gross' show for another hour, then it's Western Conference Finals right here on 9870 ESPN. Hi, go Mets, yay! This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Remember, we got the NBA draft lottery coming up starting at 8 o'clock. Nick fans waiting to see if they will keep their pick for the upcoming season. The way it works for the draft lottery, Dallas, the pick is top 10 protected. Okay, so if everything goes chalk with the draft lottery, Dallas right now is slated 10th. So if they don't move at all, the Knicks lose out on the pick. They're not going to get the pick. However... If one of the teams behind the Mavericks leapfrogs them and somehow is one of the winners of the lottery and gets into that top three, then Dallas is going to have to fall back a spot, which means the Knicks will get to make the selection, which could be 11th, 12th, whatever, depending on how the ping pong balls go. So I believe that mathematically they said it's a 20% chance of that happening, that the Knicks are going to be able to still hold on to that pick. And look, it's not even about... If they get to use the pick, who they're going to select, you know, who would be available around 10 or 11 or or something like that. It's more about having another number one pick that you're going to be able to package to another team to be able to go get you another superstar. And and the reason I bring that up is because you wake up today and you find out that the 76ers fired Doc Rivers. Three years on the job, 
Never made it past the second round of the playoffs. And, and look, I'm not the biggest fan of him as a head coach. Like, you know, a lot of people want to put him up there, you know, with uh, the legends. And, and let's pump the brakes. Okay, I, I, I think I could have coached that Celtics team to a championship with all the talent that they had. He's had more misses in the playoffs in big spots than he's ever had successes. I mean, the guys talked about it yesterday. We mentioned it, right? All the game sevens that he's lost and, you know, series deciding games and the funk that he's been in as far as that's concerned here. But it's really a trend that's kind of disturbing right now in basketball is that you got these coaches that are being let go and being shown the door after, you know, a good amount of success. You know, we saw it last week with Budenholzer in Milwaukee, Monty Williams with the Phoenix Suns. Now you have Doc Rivers. I mean, these guys, while they've been on the job, they've won games. Nick Nurse was shown the door at the end of the season for the Toronto Raptors. Nick Nurse, one of the best coaches in the NBA. Guys that really know the, know the game, they'll tell you he's one of the best coaches. Nick Nurse won a freaking championship just four years ago. Now he's gone. You know, the two coaches that were in the NBA Finals two summers ago, Milwaukee and Phoenix, both of them are looking for coaches. Like, how is that possible, right? Just two seasons ago, they were right there on the pinnacle of the sport, and now you're telling me that neither one of them are fit enough to go out there and actually coach their team any further, that you don't think that they could get back to that point again? I mean, it's laughable how these teams just discard these coaches if it's nothing. All because maybe they don't get their team over the hump when it comes to the playoffs. Guess what? Only one team can win. Only one team is going to be happy when the season is all said and done, right? Only one gets to hold that trophy. And Jeff Van Gundy, earlier today, when he was on with the K-Show, I thought he made an outstanding point. And it's something that I've kind of been clamoring for we put so much stock and so much emphasis on the playoffs and this year you know when you see teams like the Lakers who are a you know playing tournament team they're in the conference finals the Miami Heat right playing tournament conference finals why are these upsets happening why are the favorites not getting there and Van Gundy said exactly what I've been thinking you know what? Why in the NBA should we not be reseeding at the end of the first round? Make the path even more difficult. What you're doing by allowing this stuff to happen is that you're devaluing the regular season. Because say what you want. I know the playoffs, right? That's where the stakes are the highest. But even if you go win a championship, realistically, how many games are you playing in the playoffs? Max, you're going to play 28, and that's rare. That's if you have four series that go the distance. But you're playing somewhere between 20 and 28 games in all probability in the playoffs. Meantime, regular season, you're playing 82. I know that these teams and these players basically just scoff at the regular season and they can't be bothered with it. With the load management and guys not playing, coaches resting players, and, and, and the whole nine yards. But it just devalues the regular season even further, and especially when you have teams that are one seeds in the playoffs getting upset by an eight seed, like what happened with Milwaukee and Miami, right? Because a team that should be rewarded for the success that they've had in the regular season, that goes out the window at the most important time in the playoffs. And, and the point that Jeff was making, and it's a valid one, like, all right, you get these upsets in the first round, they happen, whatever. But then what about in round number two? You know, Miami went into the playoffs as an eight seed. You should make their path as difficult as possible. Not just continuing along on the bracket because they picked off the Milwaukee Bucks. No, reseed once you get to the second round. So Miami was the eight seed. They should be the last seed playing the highest remaining seed, which should have been the Boston Celtics. So round two should have been Miami against Boston, Knicks against Philadelphia. And I don't know how it would have played it out, but again, you're making that team that thumbed their nose at the regular season for 82 games make their journey that much more challenging when they get to the playoffs. I, I, I'm in total agreement with that, and the NBA should look to do that. That's what they used to do, as a matter of fact, once upon a time. But neither here nor there. It's what the NFL does. NFL does that. They reseed after the first round of the playoffs. That's why on Wild Card Weekend, you get to that next day, and it's like, well, that team is going to play the lowest remaining seed, the highest remaining seed. That's how it should be. So back to Philadelphia. They show Doc the door. 
And there were reports even at the end of the game on Sunday that maybe Doc Rivers and James Harden, their relationship wasn't exactly where you would want it to be with the player and the coach. They weren't exactly chummy, right? James Harden, after the game, was asked about his relationship with Doc, and he said it's okay, right? Didn't say it was great. Didn't say it was bad. He said it was okay. Read between the lines. You know, they probably weren't breaking bread too often. Now, one of two ways you look at this. For Philadelphia's next stop, you could say that maybe they're setting the stage because you have Daryl Morey, who's running the show. You got James Harden. Are they going to try to get the band back together again and bring back Mike D'Antoni from their Houston days, right? For some reason, Daryl Morey thinks that that combination is actually going to pay dividends even all these years later. And James Harden swears by Mike D'Antoni and vice versa because D'Antoni lets him do whatever the hell he wants. And he can play that type of basketball to where he's just going to chuck up his shots, hog the ball, dominate the ball, and that type of thing. But we don't know if Harden's even going to re-sign with Philadelphia. He could sign for the, with the 76ers $210 million for four years, which is only, I think, about $5 million bucks more, give or take, than what he would be able to sign with another team. So even if he were to leave, it's not like he's leaving a bunch of money on the table by not going back to Philadelphia. It's not like a true bird rights thing to where they can sign him for a substantial amount more because he's over 38. Anyway, so let's say Harden leaves. And there's rumors that, remember, all throughout the season we heard these rumors that maybe James Harden was going back to Houston, that he was going to be a rocket again. So if that's the case, you got a guy now in Philadelphia, in Joel Embiid, who was just christened as the MVP of the league. Will Joel Embiid at this stage of his career want to stick around Philadelphia with a new head coach who's coming in? If James Harden's playing on another team, and essentially be part of a rebuilding project. And maybe rebuilding is not quite the right word. But, you know, you're changing out the furniture a little bit. It's not just going to be like pick up and go from where we were the last couple of years to where we were a team that was threatening to come out of the Eastern Conference. No, there's going to be a little bit of a different look. And you have somebody like Embiid who's pushing 30 years of age, right? He wants to go deeper into the playoffs. This is a guy who still has not been to a conference final. Would he actually still want to hang around and, I have to use the expression, I got to go there. Would he want to trust the process again that they're going to be able to surround him with pieces that are going to be capable enough to get him to a championship? If that is the case, and Embiid wants to play the role of a superstar like we see in the NBA nowadays, what if he rings up the Sixers and says, Get me out of here. And that's where the Knicks come in. We know that they have to go out there and add. Right? We spent three hours talking about that last night. We know that they have to upgrade this team. They must. And the Knicks have a relationship already in some key areas with Joel Embiid, Leon Rose, Worldwide West. There's a foundation there. That's why you have these guys around. And I think that Embiid is a smart enough guy to where he looks around and says, geez, New York, Madison Square Garden, I could get up for that place. I can enjoy playing there. This Knicks team is actually pretty good. This Knicks team actually went as far as my team in Philadelphia went this season. They won around in the playoffs, and they got bounced in round number two. He knows how well Jalen Brunson played. He knows how good Julius Randle, a player he could be. Let's see if maybe I can make it work there. Give the Big Apple a try and try to win a championship. The Knicks would represent a better chance for him to win a title than what would be left over in Philadelphia. That's for damn sure. And Knicks fans that maybe didn't want to go all in last summer on Donovan Mitchell, didn't want to give up the draft choices, didn't want to give up some of those young players because maybe they didn't think that Mitchell was quite enough worth it, even though he wanted to be here. You mean to tell me you wouldn't think differently if Joel Embiid suddenly became available and wanted out of Philadelphia? Remember, the only way they're upgrading this roster, it ain't through the draft, it ain't through free agency, to get that blue chip guy, the guy who is a difference maker, the guy who is a number one, the only way you're getting that guy is you are going to have to pry him loose from another team 
and their roster. You know, Carl Anthony Towns' name was thrown out there. Joel Embiid is better than Carl Anthony Towns. Joel Embiid would be a difference maker. Just because it didn't work in Philadelphia doesn't mean it won't work here. And if he does indeed pick up the phone and call the Sixers, Josh Harris, the owner, Daryl Morey, the guy in charge of basketball ops, and says, I want out, Nick should be the first phone call. The first phone call. Because when we looked at the Knicks, once the dust settled, what did we say? Shooting and a little bit more muscle maybe down low. Joel Embiid could shoot. He could stretch it as a number five, and he's also going to give you that muscle down low. You mean to tell me that lineup wouldn't get you excited next year? That lineup wouldn't make the Knicks an instant contender in the Eastern Conference? Where do I sign? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Knicks conversation when we return. Dan Gross' show till 830. Then it's Western Conference Finals basketball right here on 98.7 ESPN. Bing bong, bing bong, bong bing. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Now, there seems to be something going on here in the Yankee game. Because what we started out the show talking about with the episode last night involving Aaron Judge and maybe the Yankee base coaches, that they were maybe veering a little bit too far from the coaching box, the umpires went out to Louis Rojas, the former Met manager who's now the third base coach for the Yankees, and had a conversation with him. It looks as if maybe something is too along those lines as to where he was positioned. And you saw a couple of members of the Blue Jays coaching staff getting a little chirpy in their dugout. You can read Brian Schneider, the manager's um, lips there. He said, shut up, fat boy. I could make that out. I don't know who fat boy is, but he, t- he did tell him to shut up. That's confirmed. I'm going to go have to check it out and see. It's tough to see this on the fly, of course, but uh, Yankees do have a one nothing lead. Glaber Torres driving in uh, a run here in the third inning. Uh, driving in Isaiah Kaina Falefa with an RBI single. So it's one nothing Yankees, and Boone came out of the dugout, too, to stick up for Louis Rojas. And my goodness. T- I, see, this is not the end of it. And it's almost a good thing that this is a four-game series because me thinks that at some point over the next two and a half days, you know, we probably will have a little benches-clearing discussion on the field between these two sides. If you could just gauge, it only took three innings for something like that to unfold here tonight. Interesting. That's rivalry baseball for you. All right, let's go to the phones. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Talking Knicks, talking about the summertime, the offseason, and who that big fish could potentially be that they can reel into Madison Square Garden to take this team to another level. Let's start it off with Richard and Valley Stream up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Rich, how we doing? Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. What's going on? First time caller. Can you hear me? Got you, Rich. What's going on, man? Thanks for calling. Listen, listen. Dan, listen, man. Um, like I said, first time caller. I just got off work. 
driving, driving, you know, driving from work, going home, and listening to you, man. You got me so excited right now. I'm, I'm ready to run through a wall for you right now, Dan. Um, if the Knicks can get Embiid, would you, would you agree to conference finals or bust? Conference finals are bust. I think if you get Joel Embiid, you're talking about a team that could go to the NBA finals and come out of the Eastern Conference. Why yes, not? sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I- I'm done. I just wanted to ask you, you know, listening to you, like I said, man, like I'm so excited right now. Like if the Knicks can get that guy, you know, like you said, NBA finals are bust, I- I- you know, I'd assume. Thank you for taking my call, Then I'll just hang up and listen. Rich, appreciate the call, my friend. You get back to us. Rich was excited there. First time caller. He was into it. Um, you know, look, <laughs> right now I would probably probably put it no better than 50-50 as to whether or not that this thing could actually be feasible. But, I mean, think about it for a second, right? I, I mean, the prospect of going out there and landing a true number one guy. Like last night, we sat here, and while putting a bow on the season, waxing poetic about Jalen Brunson. And there's not a bigger Jalen Brunson fan than I am. The guy performed heroically, especially in the postseason for this team. And given the other guys that maybe didn't necessarily get the job done, he was the one who tried to put that team on its back and get them to the conference finals that didn't work out. And even though he was the lead dog and even though he was the number one guy, I still don't know deep down if I would consider him to be a true number one guy. Right? It just, you know, Brunson to me, he'd be a great 1A. And even if he continues to get better and better, I, I, I just think having my point guard as maybe being a really, really good secondary option if he has to be, that's not the end of the world. You get a guy like Joel Embiid, that's a number one guy. You know, some of the other names that we threw around there, look, Giannis, of course, would be a number one. But I don't know if that's going to be possible. Zach Levine, we mentioned his name. You know, there have been rumors with him over the last couple of years that maybe Chicago would be ready to move on or, you know, vice versa. Zach Levine is a guy who doesn't play any defense, but he could score, could shoot. But is Zach Levine really a number one? I I can't sit here and put Zach Levine any higher than I would Jalen Brunson or even Julius Randle. Julius Randle, All-NBA two out of the last three years. Zach Levine won no All-NBA at this season. Carl Anthony Towns, good player, all-star player, but I can't say Carl Anthony Towns a number one. You know, that's already in Minnesota. It's become Anthony Edwards' team. He's the number one guy. You can already see that happening. There's only so few of those difference makers in the league, and that's why we talked about the only way you're going to be able to bring one of them onto your roster is by trading for him. It's as simple as that. And it looks like Itzhak Paredes for the Tampa Bay Rays just connected, I think, on a three-run homer. I think. Are they calling it? A, it's a home run. Called it a home run. It went over the orange line. So Verlander allowed the first two on in the third inning. Got two outs. Looked like he was maybe going to get out of the inning unscathed. But Paredes said, nope. And the Mets find themselves in a 3 nothing deficit. Where have we heard that before? Eric and Clifton. Up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Eric, what's going on, my man? Hey, what's up, Dan? Thank you for having me. Um, I wanted to give you first, like, a sort of pie-in-the-sky candy store type of situation where I asked the producer, if you could have Zion, uh, John Morant, or LeBron next year, given each one of them has their individual issues that you don't know how they're going to end up, um, and 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 – and considering what do the Nick, what do you think the Knicks need? Um, and if you could give me the best out of those three, and then who would your ideal guy be? I've I, I've warmed. Look, the ideal guy would be Giannis, but that that's not happening. I, I I just I can't see it happening. I certainly would have no issues whatsoever if Joel Embiid came here because I think that look the relationships are already intact. And if you're a Nick fan, what you're rooting for. Once July rolls around, you're rooting for James Harden to go sign with another team. Get him out of Philadelphia to at least further the possibility that maybe Embiid would want to see greener pastures. But the problem with Embiid is he's a loyal guy. You know, he talks about his love for Philadelphia. Philadelphia loves him. He's super popular there. 
you know, would he then want to ultimately become the villain and say, nah, you know, get me out of here because I don't think I could win a championship. You know, I and my teammates' failures to not get past the second round. I can't do it anymore in Philadelphia, so I'm going to go try to chase a ring someplace else. I don't know. But as far as those three guys that you met, I mean, Ja, Zion, and LeBron, I mean, there, there's flaws with each and every one of them. First of all, LeBron's never coming here, okay, because he's going to hang around as long as he can to where Bronny could go to the NBA and they could be on the same team. It's not going to be with the Knicks. Um, you're going to think I'm crazy? I don't love either one, to be quite honest with you, because of obviously the marks against them with everything that's going on. You know, John Morant might be playing himself out of the NBA, period, if this questionable behavior continues. And the last thing you would want is to give up a boatload of assets to get him on your team and then for him to then be suspended, ineligible, whatever, if it ever comes to that down the road. And then you're left, you know, up a creek without a paddle. And then there's also the risk with Zion to where, you know, is the guy ever going to stay healthy? Is he even going to play? And there's so much ambiguity with Zion as well. I mean, you got the guy last year during these playoffs. He's out there doing windmill dunks in the layup line. He looks like he's fine, but yet he can't suit up and he can't play. I, I just th – that is one very, very cloudy situation with Zion. So to be quite honest with you, like if I'm looking for something that's surefire that can help me as far as the Knicks are concerned, <laughs> none of those guys, none of them. You know, I, I want a little bit more of a short thing. Now, it's going to cost me more, right? Going to have to probably pay with a few extra draft choices and that sort of thing. But to get something pretty good, you got to pay pretty substantial. It's no different than the game of life when you go shopping. You want something of quality, it's going to cost you, as it should. All right, half hour more to play with. Remember, we got Western Conference Game 1 coming up at the bottom of the hour. Lottery about to get underway. We'll keep tabs on that as well. Dan Gross's show for another 30, 98.7 ESPN. I don't know who Fat Boy is. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> we'll see if the Lakers can keep this thing going. And again, the longer the Lakers go on this journey, and I know this is a theme that we've kind of been hitting on here throughout the night, the longer they go on this journey, it's just going to continue to devalue the regular season. And that's a problem that the NBA has. It's a problem the NBA has had for a good number of years, and it's only going to be further. Because remember, the Lakers could care less about this regular season at least especially for the first few months. I mean, it was, it, it was an inconvenience for them. And to their credit, the front office, Rob Palenka, they went out there, they made some trades, they beefed up the bench, they got rid of Russell Westbrook, gave LeBron and AD a little bit more help, and now here they are, one step away from another trip to the NBA Finals, you know, the bubble rematch from a few years ago. And if you're Denver, you know, you got the two-time MVP in Nikola Jokic, and in this culture that we're so fascinated and consumed with our great players need to win championships in order to validate their, their genius out on the field, out on the court, or, or, or whatever you like, you know, it, now you figure it's got to be Jokic's time. You know, he's that next guy that hasn't won. And you're just sitting here and waiting for him to finally hoist that trophy. But we'll see if it's possible. You know, I think, I do actually think that the Nuggets are going to find the way to pull this one out and to win this series, but it's not going to be easy, I don't think. And the longer it goes, I do think it favors Denver. And, you know, playing these games in that altitude for an older team like the Denver Nuggets, or excuse me, an older team like the Los Angeles Lakers, the reason I'm distracted here. So what's happening with Herman? Herman now is, did he just get suspended from a game because of sticky stuff? I think he got checked coming off the field. You had a big, and, and now they're all back in the dugout. So did, did Herman just get tossed? Did he just get Scherzered? Because remember, Herman had this happen earlier in the season. And they got everybody in the Yankee dugout that's going up to Herman, you know, kind of touching his hand, feeling his hand. And, and, and Herman is just like kind of staring out in the field with a blank look on his face. Like, what, what are they talking about? What do they mean? But before you even had the Scherzer episode, you had Domingo Herman at Yankee Stadium where they sat there and inspected him for how long, and then they never actually threw him out of the game, remember? They had all these warnings, but they never actually tossed him, and, and, and now it just might have happened. I don't know. I can't even tell, but something's up again. You would think, though, these guys, you know, in the case of Herman, because they're on to you already, same thing like 
Max Scherzer, like, you would be foolish, right? You'd be foolish to do this thing again. The fact that they're already kind of like, you know, the nose on your trail, so to speak. Well, he was just going out for the fourth. Yeah, so he's out. He's done. He's thrown out of the game. So 10 games for Domingo Herman. Welcome to the Max Scherzer Club. Boy, the Yankees just can't get out of Toronto without some sort of issue, some sort of controversy happening with this team. You know, first it was Aaron Judge with the stuff last night. And then, and then the cameras keep showing Brian Schneider, the Blue Jays manager, as if, you know, he's validated by all this. It's not his call. You know, it's the umpires who were the ones that, that, that caught him dead to rights. And this is actually unique, too, because in the years that baseball has really cracked down on the sticky substance stuff, this is the first one of these ejections that Phil Cuzzy has not been affiliated with. So congratulations to the umpiring crew tonight. It actually was not Phil Cuzzy involved. So there you go. Branch it out. Get a little bit of umpire diversity in there for guys that are willing to throw a pitcher out of a game if his hands feel a little bit questionable when he takes them out. So we'll see what happens here the rest of the way. As we were talking about, though, with the NBA, and this series here with the Nuggets and the Lakers. I want to see the Nuggets win. You know, the whole Laker thing is kind of played, but the NBA, I'm sure, feels a little different. You know, in a perfect world, the NBA has the desired TV matchup that they want, right? They've got their one step away from Lakers-Celtics again in the NBA Finals. But I kind of want to see a little bit of fresh blood in there, so I'd like to see Nikola Jokic on the big stage. And I think that the Nuggets will find a way to defeat the Lakers here. How about seven games? You know, it's going to be tough to win a deciding game in Denver. They're as good a home team as you have in the NBA. And that travel, that altitude, you know, an older team like L.A., that might play some tricks on them if this does indeed become a long series. I I am curious to see, though, how Aaron Gordon is going to fare because he's the one that's going to get the primary assignment trying to slow down LeBron James. That could be a challenge. So we'll see. Hopefully we get a nice series, a long series, and it'll be fun as basketball fans here. Now, again, we're waiting for the lottery to start. They say 8 o'clock, but of course it can't be 8 o'clock because as I put it on right now, it says that 9 minutes is when it's going to begin. So it still doesn't even begin at 8 o'clock. And, you know, this is the lottery to where if you get the number one pick, you're going to get one of these generational-type players in Victor Wabanyama, the kid from France, seven foot three. He can handle the ball like a guard. He can shoot outside. He can take it in. He's a freakish athlete. Okay, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, just the, you know, you almost do a disservice to these kids and to these players. Like, all day, you know, I, I saw a tweet from Woj about, you know, there's never been a more hyped prospect coming into the draft. It's like, well, come and I like Woj, but come back to us. What are you talking about? You mean to tell me that this kid was more hyped than LeBron James was? LeBron James's games when he was in high school were airing on ESPN and on national TV. Guy was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was in high school. No, this, this kid does not have more hype than LeBron James. I'm sorry. Just doesn't. And the fact that he's an international player, most fans, even though we live in a, you know, internet world where you can easily just go on, you know, YouTube and watch this kid play his games, he, I don't think he was as hyped coming in as, let's say, even a guy like Shaquille O'Neal was, you know, in that draft. You know, Shaquille O'Neal was a freak, and everybody knew who won that lottery. You were getting the diesel, the Shaq. Because we saw Shaq play in college more regularly than we're watching Victor play overseas. But everything is now, right? Everything has got to be in the now, in the present. Recency bias. This is the greatest of all time. The best since this. I mean, like, stop. Stop, stop, stop. And, and I got to be honest. I don't want to ruin this kid's career or anything like that. But, I mean, it's going to be a cautionary tale, don't you think? The kid's seven foot three. Does the track record of these young, talented bigs over seven feet tall, is it always just a smoothless transition or a smooth transition to the next level in the NBA with no controversy, no adversity, and more importantly, durability concerns? Most of these bigs end up with foot problems within the first five years of their career. I mean, geez, look at what happened with the kid last year from Oklahoma City, their rookie. Why am I blanking on his name? Give me the from Gonzaga. Why am I blanking on his name? The rookie that missed the entire season. Chet Holmgren. Right? I mean, he went down before he even played his first official game. He was done for the season. 
I mean, on and on and on, all of these bigs. So, I mean, look, I wish this kid all the luck in the world, whoever gets him, and I hope that he can play for 15 years and that we're thrilled by watching him play these big games and, you know, national TVs, primetime, all that stuff. But let's pump the brakes a little bit because the more you hype this up, it's almost like you're setting these players up to do nothing but fail. That's what drives you crazy. Let's say hi to Lonnie in Long Island. Our good buddy is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Lon, it's the word. Hey, dude, how are you? How's it going, buddy? I just, I just want to say, listen, I am so tired of seeing LeBron, LeBrick, broke down crybaby James. He's hurt all season. Now the playoffs come. Now you're back. They missed 50. They played half a season and then the playoffs. It's horrible. The NBA needs to do something. If you don't, if you don't play at least sixty games, you, you can't. Go, you, you're not going nowhere. They should do something like that. I'm tired of it. I, I mean, I, I know Denver's going to beat them, though. Denver's going to. I hope they run them off the court and make my day. And I just can't wait. I hope Jokic have forty points every night and a triple double. I'm wishing for it because he's due. this Lonnie, he's due. They can take it off. We'll see if it happens. Thanks for the phone call, man. I'm with you. I'm rooting hard for Denver as well. And by the way, look at it on the Western Conference side of things. If you want to take the Jeff Van Gundy reseeding argument into consideration, the Lakers, after they beat Memphis in the first round, they wouldn't be playing Golden State in round two. A Golden State team that was horrible on the road and certainly had their flaws. Lakers would be playing the Nuggets in round number two. Not in the conference finals. And look, don't know if they would have beat him or not, but the Lakers' path to the conference finals would have been more daunting as if go, as opposed to going through a, a, a broken-down Warriors team despite the fact that they were the defending champions. Warriors were a shell of the team that they were last year. A shell. Nick is in Valley Stream. He's up next here on 98.7. What's up, Nick? How are you? Hey, brother. How's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Good, Nick. What's up? Just uh, a couple points for the tonight's game. Uh... LeBron James, obviously, to me, has, has proved a lot of people wrong this whole playoffs. He's, you know, he's done, he's done wonders. To go into Golden State, take, take it from them. Uh, but tonight, it's something different. I think the Nuggets are really due here. I think Jokic, like I said, he, he deserved the MVP in my rights, uh, in, my, in my look at it. And I think, I think he's just something different. Uh, it's something that the Lakers can't guard, something that they, they're going to have trouble with. Uh, and like you were saying earlier, Gordon's going to have a huge, you know, huge task on his hands trying to cover LeBron. I think he's up for it. I think he's got. I think he could. I think he could really, you know, make an issue for LeBron to try to, you know, and get LeBron off his game. Honestly, if we keep, if they keep LeBron under 30 points in tonight's game, I think this could be a blowout. To be honest with you, thanks for taking my call, Nick. Thanks for the call. Get back to us, Aaron Gordon. Physically, he can at least match up with LeBron. You know, he's 6'8", 240 or whatever it is. Aaron Gordon is built like a house. So physically, from a size-strength matchup, he can deal with LeBron. But dealing with him in terms of basketball, that's another different equation altogether. And the problem with it is, if you look at Denver, if Gordon gets into foul trouble, that's where they get into trouble. Because then what are you going to do? Who are you just going to throw in there to try to slow down LeBron? That won't happen. But again, back to what Nick was saying, what we've been talking about here. A Laker win, and the longer they keep this thing going, it just, it, it just cheapens the regular season. Bron James played 55 games this year. Anthony Davis, I think, played somewhere around 55 games. That's close to 30 games each of them missed. And now you're telling me that they're just going to – and they go into the playing tournament, and they're just going to waltz into the NBA Finals? That's not good. And while the league is going to be happy, and while the league is sitting there, doing cartwheels and popping champagne because you might get another Lakers-Celtics matchup, that still does not benefit the greater good of the game when you're trying to sell a product more than just two months of the playoffs in an 82-game regular season. All right, we'll finish it up on the phones with you, and we get this lottery underway as well. Then we'll send you out to Denver for game one. Dan Gross' show on a Tuesday coming right back on 98.7 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, 
poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Lottery happening right now. Two more, one more chance, actually, for the Knicks to retain their pick. Uh, Oklahoma City's picking 12th. If this is not the Mavericks, then the Knicks are giving up the pick this year. And let's see. It is... It's the Orlando Magic. So the Knicks will not be having a pick in this year's draft. Dallas will keep the pick because they're going to finish no lower than 10th. Let's see if – watch Dallas move up. No, Mavericks are 10th. So there you go. Dallas, who tanked those final couple of games of the regular season. Remember, sat Luka Doncic, took him out early in that second-to-last game. They knew what they were doing because by doing that, it allowed them to keep that pick, and they will select 10th in the upcoming draft. So, depending on what the Knicks decide to do here during the regular or uh, the regular season, what the Knicks are going to do during the summertime, they will have one less first-round draft choice to use as a chip to go out there and get themselves a productive player. Let's say hi to Ricky in Hawthorne up next here on 98.7. Rick, how we doing? I'm doing good. Good evening, sir. So, did I hear you? Did I just hear you say the Lakers walked? into the playoffs that might be in the finals. <laughs> Wasn't LeBron James hurt for like three or four weeks? Didn't they barely well, That's what I said. The they playoffs? both, Didn't... Anthony Davis and LeBron James barely played in the regular season. Yeah, but you're, you're making it seem like, you know, they took all these games off and now they're in the playoffs and now they might be going to the finals. Didn't everyone have to go to state beating the Lakers in the playoffs? I don't think they walked in anywhere. Didn't, don't, didn't most people pick Memphis to beat the Lakers as well, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I think A Memphis team, though, that really has never won anything in the playoffs? Yeah, but they were a better team all year. I mean, come on. They were the two seed all year. But, but Ricky, fair, Ricky, I know you're a Laker fan. Ricky, Ricky, I know you're a Laker fan, and you have purple and gold pajamas, and I know all that stuff, but let's be real. Were the, <laughs> you know Grizzlies, well. the Grizzlies the same team after John Morant got busted? That destroyed their season destroyed their season. Well, I think when Adams got hurt, kind of messed up their season as well. He was a big piece that they lost. But not as much as John uh, Morant. And then, and then you factor in Dylan Brooks running his mouth. That did them no favors either. The, the point is this, Ricky. This is all I'm saying. Is that I'm one of these guys that grew up in a time when the regular season actually mattered in the sport. And I'm not the only one on this soapbox. A lot of people feel this way. And I just wish that it was a little bit more balanced to where teams that bust their you-know-whats during the regular season, get rewarded for it come playoff time. And too many teams, it seems like, are taking the regular season off. Sure, I'm from that school a little bit. Listen, I'm 44 years old, so I got to watch 90s basketball. There you go. basketball. So I I get it. But, I mean, the Lakers in Boston, obviously that's what the league wants. It would be great. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I just feel like the playoff tournament overall has been great for the sport. So, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate you. Rick, you'll be good to get back to us. The play-in tournament, it has been exciting. Okay? But why do we have the play-in tournament? We have the play-in. The play-in tournament was born out of necessity because the NBA, that was their response, their knee-jerk response to teams mocking the regular season and load management and all those other things. That's why we have a play-in tournament. Just joining us again, the Knicks will not have their draft choice, their first-round draft choice this year. Dallas finished 10th in the lottery, so it was a top-10 protected pick. It'll stay with the Mavericks, and it will not be going back to the Yeah, it happens. You know, it happens. What can you do? 
right? But the Knicks got plenty of draft choices that they can use and they can maneuver and they can swing around here to do some wheeling and dealing in the summertime, which I, you know, kind of think that they will. Uh, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Did you see this one today, by the way, that Adam Schefter had it, I guess a couple of others, that Jets were given the Black Friday game when the schedule came out last week. They're going to host the Dolphins day after Thanksgiving. Apparently, the Jets are one of a few teams that have actually rang up the NFL and said, hey, if you don't mind, if you're looking somebody to play the role of permanent host for the Black Friday game moving forward, we would like to be that team. How do you feel about that if you're a Jets fan? Would you like that prospect of having to play every Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving? You know, Lions and Cowboys have that tradition on Turkey Day, and then I don't see, I don't know if the NFL would do that. I don't know if they would be willing to just, let's say, give it to a team exclusively every single year. I think that that's something that they probably want to spread out a little bit more. And maybe maybe even the folks at Amazon, right, for all the money that they're paying, I think that they probably want to showcase as many different people as possible. Although, in hindsight, if you're reading up as to how they ended up on Jets-Dolphins, I guess it was the Amazon folks who told the NFL – that they want to have one of the New York teams preferably in that game. So if that's the case, I mean, it's not just the Jets. I mean, you got the Giants, so they could do the same exact thing next year and then have the Giants playing the game. We'll see. You know, I look, I, you're asking me how I feel about it. I don't know. I'll have an answer for you on November, what is it, 24th or when the game is over. It's going to be a, dry, you know, first go-round for everybody. We're going to be at the stadium that day. My, my day after Thanksgiving generally is one of, like, the most low-key. I enjoy – that's one of my favorite days on the calendar, actually, because I usually do nothing. Um, you stuff your face with leftovers, which I've always big, been a big proponent of the fact that the leftover day after is actually a better meal than actually Thanksgiving itself. I am a big believer that the day after is more satisfying for a couple of reasons. Number one – you don't have to necessarily be in the company of a large group of people like you may do on Thanksgiving, especially if you're at somebody's house, whether it's family, friends, or if you're hosting family and friends. You know, you still have to kind of put on a reasonable, courteous display. Day after Thanksgiving, though, leftovers, it's just me, man. I'm here. I could, I could rock out in sweatpants. I could be casual. I can enjoy my meal. I don't have to entertain. I don't have to play the role of host. Like that, that, that is one of the great meals of the year. Day after Thanksgiving. It's a phenomenal meal. But now I'm going to have to have it a little bit later in the – it's going to have to be like a, almost like a late dinner because, what, the game is at 3 o'clock, which means, you know, ballpark, it ends around 6. We do the post-game show. We're probably not going to be off the air between 8 and 8.30. I'm not going to walk in the door till about 9 o'clock. So that means it's going to be like a, a late dinner. It's an adjustment period. And the San Antonio Spurs – have won the Victor Wabanyama sweepstakes. So once upon a time, when they hit the lottery with Tim Duncan, now they do it with another generational superstar. So everybody was basking in the fact the Spurs were bad for a couple of years. Those days are going to be ending soon. <laughs> They'll be back to the top. Unbelievable. Unreal. Anyway, that's all our time for tonight. Thanks to Joe and thanks to Julian. Thanks to everybody that called. We're back with you tomorrow again, 7 p.m., another 90-minute showcase into the Eastern Conference Finals. Dan Gross is saying, here's Nuggets Lakers on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>